Hey everyone, welcome back to the newest episode of Survive HR. Hey. Hi. I'm Kelly Shive. And I'm Steve Nail. Steve Nail, who's just finished a sandwich, so we're trying to get him to to digest properly. That's right, I'm I'm, I'm now fat, dumb, and happy, uh, instead of just being fat and dumb. (laughs) (laughs) My word. Okay, we are here. Pretty excited, Steve. I'm very excited. Pretty excited. Hey, you know something? We've got a new sponsor, and oh that would God. be the that would be Gallagher. All sorts of emojis. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> you know? Gallagher's great in the insurance, the risk management, and the consulting uh, space. Uh, large uh, corporation, and with us we have Chris Dustin, who is their managing director and senior advisor on engagement. Oh, and he's here to talk to us about something pretty cool. Yeah, yeah it's always fun. Employee engagement. So, well, what is employee engagement? Well, there's so many different types of definitions. I'm that so are glad out you there. said that. I'm so glad you said <laughs> that because I was like, definition? what exactly is employee well, engagement? There, you know, when we look at employee engagement, it's really about enthusiasm, effort, pride, passion, really creating a mutually committed relationship between the employees and the organization as a whole. So, it's taking that next step. In regards to, hey, can we have extra discretionary effort? What do we do uh, to really make a difference and to really make an impact to the organization? And oftentimes there's a disconnect between how employees are feeling and how the organization wants to perform. Yeah, I tried to get Kelly engaged for like 10 years that we were employed <laughs> how'd together. That, how'd that work? Not too, not too good. So <laughs> you, you need to tell me how that What are you talking about? Maybe you can share, you know, I was engaged. some insight. In spite of him, it was you can do that, right? Like in spite of your boss, you can you be hope. engaged. It's I, called intrinsic motivation. I do remember you saying that you didn't talk to Steve for the first six months Steve? that you were employed yep. with him. Correct. Truth. So. Truth. Yeah. Didn't like him. Different <laughs> podcast, different day. Different podcast, different day. Fair enough. So I have a question. Sure, of course. Okay, so I'm probably going rogue because that's what I like to do. Is it really possible, in your opinion, to engage all employees at work? It's it is not impossible, and well, it's not really possible is okay. how I should say that. Okay. Because let me tell you, when we look at levels of engagement across the board, and we measure this consistently, about thirty seven percent of employees are what we deem as highly engaged. Okay. So it's really not a very high level when you think about it. About 33% are what we call moderately engaged, um, where they're doing okay. You know, life is pretty good. They're pretty connected. About 12% we see around what we call seekers. These are folks that actually have higher levels of engagement, but they're actively looking to leave. And these are the folks you don't want to lose. While we see another level of around 14% of disconnecting, which means that they're they're potentially looking to leave. They're not that satisfied. They're not that connected with the organization, while 6% we see as disengaged. And these are the folks that are actually doing more of a disservice. No matter what organization's out there, you're always going to have a small level of folks that are disengaged or disconnecting or not connected with the organization. All right. So I know every HR person that's actually that's been similar to me in position is probably thinking this, right? So I've worked in manufacturing mm-hmm. my entire career and I've I've been involved in some manufacturing processes that are just terrible, right? Mm-hmm. So let's think about it. So there's manufacturing and there are these terrible terrible um or extremely they're not terrible, they're extremely strenuous, exhausting roles. Um no air conditioning, mm-hmm. no um, you know, no real perks. People are, you know, breaking their backs every single day. I feel like as HR people, sometimes we're chasing the concept of engaging those folks. Yeah. 
is the job even engageable? And then, you know, the example I always like to use is like a, mor- like a mortician, right? Like, is, is that job something you can, like, in- is someone wake up in the morning and it's like, yes. Hey, the customer's like, always satisfied with them. Okay. But, uh, I knew I shouldn't have used that example with <laughs> yeah. you. Um, but, like, is that even possible? Like, is it even possible to engage someone like that? Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely s- different struggles that are out there in different positions and different roles because some of the physicality of the job may influence or impact how people are going to feel and, and can they really go to that next level. And what we find is that if you're able to create a connection with them, show that their job actually matters, it has an influence and an impact to the overall outcomes you're trying to achieve, then it becomes um, personalized to them. So no matter what, they're in a manufacturing role, they're making a widget. They're making some sort of thing that's influencing and impacting their customers, the customer experience, and that's really important. And so get it personalized, and what can we also do to create recognition? How do you recognize you that? Know, the, you know, one thing that's that at least I've always thought to be true is that engagement has some relationship to, I guess, aptitude and ability to whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I remember when there was a large manufacturer that came into our region about 1990 or 91. And um, Mm, Who should that be? And (laughs) uh, uh, I know that my wife was one of the people that were training some of the folks, and she would come home all the time and say, because people wanted to go to this employer, like a lot of, there's a lot of premier companies employers and people want to go to them so you'd see school teachers musicians all these people that weren't really part of that industry and she would come home and say i don't know why they don't hire people that you know like to work on cars for example uh or or something like that and to me you know it would be really hard to engage somebody at least long term if they have no real aptitude or ability, and that falls, I think, a lot on HR and the fact that it's up to HR to make sure that they bring people in that have the proper aptitudes for the job. Yeah, Steve, that's a very good point. And, and really what we look at, sometimes it's not an engagement issue. It's a hiring and recruiting issue. Mm. You're not bringing in the right people. You know, when we always focus in on uh, looking at engagement and, and really you, when you hire people, you want to you hire for character and build for skill. That's always been a philosophy we've always had and always try to look into because if you hire the wrong person, they're not going to meld into that culture. And that's really important. So we need to look at competencies. We need to look at what are things that are successful in that organization and what, and learn from that and be able to incorporate that into your, your recruiting and, and, and your, um, your overall environment that you're trying to create and build as a culture. Um, a wrong hire definitely impacts how people are feeling. In fact, 31% of people leave within the first six months. So that's due, a lot of that is due to the incorrect hiring. In mm-hmm. fact, one in 35 quit on the very first day. Did you know that? What? Yeah. And what? I, has that ever happened to any of you? Yes. yes. It, yes, it, yes I don't I, know why that surprised I, I was, me so uh, much because yeah, I was like, yeah, oh, Kelly, I, I, I was really, so I was looking yeah. over at you because when you said that, I said, wait a minute, you've had a lot of people quit on you the first <laughs> yeah. day. 
Yeah, and it, it's not because they actually work for you. Right. It's, they're yeah. working in your <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> you know, it happened to me, too, and I even took them to lunch. So it really wasn't oh, a very good day uh, for me on that one. So Can we talk about competencies for a second? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can I, wait, can I ask yeah. one question? See, I knew this was going to go yeah. nowhere no, but, good but, fast. <laughs> go no, but, no but, the com- but there's one follow-up um, mm-hmm. that I had, if I can actually uh, now remember uh, what it was I was going to ask you. But I was going to say, what does... What is how what tools, for example, it would Gallagher use or could employers use to actually make sure that the mm-hmm. fit is is better? Because you know HR, look, they have a lot of pressure on them. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and we're not certainly not knocking HR because you got to fill the fill the roles. And sometimes you got somebody that can, you know, they're upright and they're breathing. Okay, we'll bring them in, and that's not really necessarily. The best thing to do, but what tools are out there, or how can they make uh, a better choice as to who to bring in? Sure, uh, some of it is just how you brand yourself out there um, by using better overall social media. Also, having your aunt, your hiring tools that are there's plenty of them out there, but making sure that it's easy, um, very realistic, and and really provide information for people to to enter in information very easily and it's not very complex or difficult. So that's one way to attract that. The other big thing that we see is that understanding what creates success at the organization and build upon that. And then the last thing we want to focus in on is is actual interviewing techniques. Mm-hmm. Managers and leaders sometimes don't have the greatest ability to interview and ask the right questions. Um, now, you don't need to sit in and have a, a three-hour interview, but you need to have enough to know, is this person really going to make it in this organization? Do they have the skill set? Do they have the competencies? Do they have the characteristics that we need that we see will be successful? And oftentimes, these managers don't have the overall ability to interview and to ask the right questions because HR is going out there and trying to pull in talent um, they'll do a, an initial interview most of the time, but really getting into the finite details of the role and the job goes into that managerial level. And oftentimes they're looking just to close the deal, <laughs> trying to get a body in instead of say, hey, this is I, ne- I need to get the right person because the last thing I want to do is lose some talent. Because first-year turnover is roughly around 27% across the country, and you think about that, that's a lot of money that that's going out the window. Your second point was... Um if I remember it properly, but your second point was really about making sure that people are interviewing to culture. Mm-hmm. So interviewing to are these, do these people have the competencies? Do these people have the attributes that we need mm-hmm. for this organization? So I'm going to argue that the issue isn't with the hiring manager. The issue is that most companies have no idea what that actually is. That's it. Exactly right. And yeah, some misrepresentation. Well, yeah, so they're going, it's, but, but, but as HR folks, yeah. We put it on a PowerPoint slide and expect people to understand it when, quite frankly, calling myself out here, half the time I don't even understand it. So I have sat down with folks, and I just did this not at my current employer but at my previous employer. We sat down and we went through all of these competencies and competencies in air quotes, right? So we went through all these competencies and we went through what they meant and we were going to tie performance to it and we were going to tie recruiting to it. And I was like, no one even knows what this means. Like, because we do, I I do believe that HR overcomplicates everything, right? Because we somehow feel like we've got to be these sophisticated people when it doesn't have to be as complicated as it is. But secondarily, we put these competencies 
that we don't even know what they mean as an organization. The organization doesn't know what it means. So how does, how do you get around that? So I don't know if you work with that or if you see that a lot, but I know that that's just such an area of struggle for me because like strategic thinking is always one of my favorite. Like they've got to be a strategic thinker. I'm like, do you know what strategic thinking is? Yeah. And, and oftentimes organizations don't really understand their mission, vision, and values at a level True. that makes it simple for people to really resonate to. And you're right. If you don't have a, an understanding of what these competencies mean, it's meaningful. It's not going to be, it's not going to help you. So how do you create it personalized? And that's one of the big things that you need to understand is that how does the mission, vision, and values and purpose or strategies, how does that relate to me as an individual? Mm-hmm. And that is what's very important. And we've got to break down those barriers because in HR, if you don't understand it, how are you going to expect anybody else to yeah. do that? Yeah. And I, from an HR perspective, I think we overcomplicate it so we don't understand yeah. it. And, right? and we also overcomplicate the communication. Yep. And what, what happens is you'll send out a, a two-page memo or a two-page email and that has all of this great information in there. Nobody's going to read it. You know, people just don't read anymore. What they want is quick hits, quick bursts. Yeah, that slogans, makes sense. something that's easy it, to remember, three or four points max. And that's it. And, you know, what we've found is, you know, what, what do you look at 10 times a day or 10 times in an hour? You're looking at your phone. You're looking at things that are very quick and to the point. I'm going to text all my employees currently, <laughs> like every five minutes. You know, video blogs are just short things because yeah. people watch videos all the time. They listen to podcasts. They listen to these things because they want short bursts. And, you know, investing a tremendous amount of time to read is just, it doesn't work anymore. And you have to really create communication to be effective. And that's one of the things that Gallagher has, you know, a communication vehicle as well. Uh, to where we simplify it, and you, you want to reach different audiences. We have five generations in the workforce right now. Mm-hmm. Everybody looks at things a little bit differently. Yeah, that's, uh, I guess there was, well, let me ask this. You just mentioned gener- generations mm-hmm. and five generations. So um, how do you make the connection, okay, for all of those uh, generations and make sure they're all, they're engaged? Yeah, because each one of them is a little bit different, as we all know. And we're starting to, you know, traditional. Of course, boomers are the best. Yeah, of course. Well, I'm a Gen Xer, so I'm going to say I'm the best. So we'll just have a, <laughs> and then we'll we got a millennial over here, a couple of millennials with, with Giovanni in the studio. Right. So, and then we got the Gen Zs coming in now, right. you know, which are even more connected than what we see in the millennials. Um, but one of the one of the things that we also see is the workforce is moving. You know, there's millennials are going to be what half half the workforce um, by twenty. Within by the end of this year, and then by 2025, they anticipate it to be in closer to 75 percent. So think about that. Time you know. for me to retire. Is that what you're looking at me for, Kelly? Yeah, time for me I'm to get out. I time, didn't time, say anything. Time to take the train, I guess, Steve. So I you did not are, say anything. You and I are to go. No one heard me say say any. I, you're just making that up. I said nothing. I know. I just looked over at you to get but, that. But <laughs> connecting these folks is really what's what's challenging because they all have a little bit different. But one of the thing, the commonalities that we see is everybody wants to have the ability for career growth, no matter what the level that they're at. They want to be recognized. They want to understand how their job impacts and influences the success of the organization. You know, that's, I think what you're hitting upon is something that most, there's lots of talks, every, you got all these HR conferences, what they want to talk is about the generational differences, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I think they're missing the boat because really what we need to talk about and what you are alluding to here, or or maybe not alluding, but maybe directly addressing, Mm -hmm. is that you have to look at the the commonality, the common links between all generations, because there are, and if you focus on that, 
Mm-hmm. You, you're, I think your time is better spent than talking about the differences and how to address everybody's individual differences. That's right. And everybody has a different life story and, and different life path that they're in currently. And, and so you have to kind of keep that in context when you're talking to these folks. But there are a lot of similarities. There's some differences, of course. And actually, you know, the millennials, you know, really brought in some really unique ways to think about business and to make some changes out there to be more transparent, to enhance communication, to really create more connectivity, you know, and but, you know, their tenure is only two years. That's the average tenure of a millennial versus a Gen Xer um, are about five years and a baby boomer is about seven years. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really, I think move that along. there's benefits to every generation and I really respect yeah. the, 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 the younger generation, the millennials, um, you know, particularly I've had some experience with, but I mean, they're smart, they can multitask, they can do things very quickly. Uh, they just have a different way of looking at it because they are connected. You don't have to sit in an office eight or 10 or 12 hours a day to be productive. And I think that's what, you know, the older generations, people that have been around long, they think, well, heck, you're not at the office, you're not yeah. working. But really that's not the case. And if we can learn to adapt to that, um, I mean, some people may need an office. Some people don't need an office. Can, can I go back to engagement? So I want to mm-hmm. circle it back to engagement because I'm really still struggling and I'd love to know what your thoughts are on this. So, um, so you said that in order, you know, I talked about the jobs that are essentially like you can't engage someone in because mm-hmm. it's the job, right? Um, and I have some tricks for that that I've said that I've seen success in. But, you know, you said you've got to really tie the person into the mission, vision, and values of the business. What if it's – so I – I always say that like some of the jobs I've had, I can sell the sexy, like the job I'm in right now. It's just, it, it so makes sense. It can pull at heartstrings all day long. Um, so it, it's easy, but there are other jobs that I've had where I'm like, mm, like, okay. Like, so my best friend in the whole wide world is a pediatric cardiologist who specializes in heart failure and heart transplant. You, you don't need you don't need to do a whole lot for her to find worth in what she does, mm-hmm. right? Like saving little babies. But how did how does the person who's working on a manufacturing line, pretty much just making a CEO very rich, how, how do you tie that to not not necessarily doing anything to save the universe, but how do you tie that back to oh that person we're going to engage them so they tie into the mission, vision, and values of the business when really at the end of the day the mission mission um and values of the business are really about just making money yeah and well hopefully organizations are not always focused in on money but we all know that the dollars no, no, make a lot they, of sense but they are right like yeah so. <laughs> i mean it's always going to be important absolutely but i look at it as how do we get it personalized because everybody's a little bit different so taking time and having a conversation with that individual really getting to know them understand what What's really motivating them? You may have somebody on the floor that they're aspiring to do something different. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have those conversations and you don't have meetings with them and understand what their short-term, long-term goals are trying to be, you could miss out on somebody that could expand and do something very excellent. You know, remember John F. Kennedy, when he said we're going to put a man to the moon, was walking around NASA and he came across this gentleman and he was sweeping the floors and mopping the floors. And he says, so what are you doing? He says, we're putting a man to the moon. Had nothing to do with aeronautical engineering or anything, but that person bought, bought into what they were trying to accomplish. And he had a role. And you know what the most important people are at Disney? Just think about it. the Disney parks. Probably Who do you the think cleaners. they are? 
They are. The cleaners. It's always very clean. So very Absolutely. Clean. So it's that experience. So it's creating that experience. And so I, I always look at it, how do we get it personalized? Because everybody has a different story and we need to look into that and, and invest I, the time and effort. I sometimes think that, um, so, so my argument would be, yes, if you can tie it back to the business, phenomenal. But when you can't, um, and I, I've, I've been in places where you can't, right? Um, where you can't tie it back to the business, you tie it to the person, mm-hmm. right? So um, I'm going to steal something that um, our friend Leslie Hayes said one time from the Hayes Approach. She said that she would walk on the plant on the on the manufacturing line, and she would she actually put up a piece of poster board, and she asked all of the employees, "Why are you here?" Mm-hmm. And, you know, someone put up a picture of their dirt bike. Someone put up a picture of their family. And I feel like when you struggle to engage someone in the job that they're doing, or quite frankly, even the company that they're doing it for, you can engage them. You can pull them back into engagement when you remind them why they're there. That's exactly right. It's personalized. So how do we get that personal connection? No matter what it is, that's what's going to make a difference. Yeah, you know, there. I've been following these surveys for uh, even though, I, you know, they started back in the 50s. So I've looked at them from the 50s mm-hmm. on forward. Um, and generally, managers will put compensation as like one of the top motivators of employees. And yet everybody knows that's not the top. Right. But it's important. So I'm really wondering how does compensation, uh, what's that relationship to engagement? Yeah, so we did some studies on this, and we wanted to see, because it never fleshes out as a key driver. You know, we do a multiple regression model, which is a fancy term to see which items have the greatest impact to engagement, because we want organizations to work on the right things. And compensation never gets into that level. But what we did is a study to see what what is really, what does compensation do? Well, it's an influencer is what it is. So we have found that if organizations are struggling in compensation, their engagement levels are not going to move at that same level as an organization that has solid compensation practices and people feel comfortable. Those engagement levels will move at a much more rapid pace than you're having that drag. You know, if you're not having good, solid compensation, total rewards solution, it's dragging you down. You'll never lift engagement to that upper echelon level. Because it's like almost like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And so the, the overall comp, is kind of at the bottom. I mean, that's a foundational, a foundational a, piece. Exactly. And you got to feel right about that before you can do all the and, other. And look, nobody's ever walked into my office and said, you're paying me too much. You know, t- please take some back. That it, compensation is always going to be a factor, but it's not going to be what drives people uh, in regards to engagement. It's an influencer, though. And depending upon different roles, it has a greater impact. You know, think, some of the manufacturing, you, absolutely, it's a greater impact for them. I think that there are actually what I would call like HR low hanging fruit, right? You're never going to be in a place where you can engage anybody, quite frankly, if you don't have some of those very low hanging fruit pieces checked off, like comp and benefits and just like basic employee relations. I mean, you might as well, you might as well not even try. Yeah, because it's it, you're going you're you're running against you're kind of running yourself into into a wall, and that wall is pushing you back on a consistent basis. So I would say that um, you know, listeners out there, get it right on the ground floor first before you try to build it up, and then use some of the tools that we've talked about today about personalizing engagement. We talked about that before, right? We've talked yeah, about personalizing engagement, and it it really just takes the complexity out of what 
we've been doing all this time. Yeah, and I'm sure that there's going to be some companies in it because there's managers have lots of things to do every day. HR people have lots of things to do. So, and, 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 and they may not have the time or the expertise to do this. So Gallagher could actually help these companies right. who are interested in having a more engaged workforce and therefore a, a happier, more productive, a higher retention rate workforce. Uh, you'd be happy to help them. Absolutely. Uh, formulate solutions to their specific problem. Yeah, and one of the foundational pieces is conducting an engagement survey to get a perspective of how people are feeling. Um, we look at different levels. Our, we have a core engagement index, which is seven core items that looks at different factors of engagement, such as pride, satisfaction, um, you know, the willingness to promote, are you looking to leave, and also some components of job passion. Then we build out a survey based upon what organizations' are, goals and objectives are. So that really creates that foundational piece, and we compare it, and we run analyses to identify what are those key systemic opportunities, and then also drive that down to the managerial level within their work groups. We have tools, solutions, online reporting, and action planning, you know, the whole host of things. But if you get an understanding of what employees are looking for and what are what's really influencing and impacting, that's where you can make a difference. And then we connect that to overall business outcomes. The higher levels of engagement, the better the overall outcomes are going to be. And that's our, our ROIs have been proven once, more of the times than I can count. We need to do a repeat podcast with uh, with our friends from Gallagher with an audience because my guess is there would be some pretty amazing questions asked. I, I love to hear them. So. I, bet we, I bet we can come up with that option at some point in the future. Yeah. Great. Well, hey, thanks so Thank much for, for coming on and letting us grill yeah. you a little bit about employee That's engagement. A, it sounds like you've got a great tool and a great process, but really it's it's simple. Yeah, Meet yeah. the employees where they are. And, yeah. you know, we, and I appreciate you sponsoring the show. But, uh, just to remind the listeners, I know they've heard this before, but we don't, we do not permit people, companies, organizations to sponsor us unless we actually believe in what they do mm-hmm. and because they represent us uh, as well as us representing them when they're on the show. So we appreciate you. We appreciate Hank George Sinclair Boyd, who is also uh, our uh, primary sponsor for our uh, series. So thank Excellent. you very much. Thank you thank very you. much. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.